A reading from the book of Acts. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all, as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. The word of the Lord. Good morning. Uh, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Drew. I'm the pastor of discipleship here, and it is great to be with you, uh, One Fellowship family. And it's also great to see some new faces in here, and I'm sure some new faces joining us online. Uh, welcome. Um, there is a place for you here. We don't believe it's by accident that you are here, that God has given you a desire, hopefully, to connect with a local church. And so if you're searching for one, uh, we'd love for you to consider One Fellowship. You're going to hear a little bit more about some of our purposes as we go through this series on our foundational values. Um, today we're going to be speaking about grow. What does this mean? What does it look like for us to grow specifically together as a church, as a local church? Um, this Christmas, Laura and I and Silas, we got together with some of Laura's family down on Isle of Palms, we just got a house and we all kind of came together, just a few of us, to spend a couple of days. And after our Christmas Eve services here at One Fellowship, which were fantastic, I know many of you were there, I scrambled home, I grabbed some clothes, and I headed over to the house. Laura told me that on Christmas we were going to have a quote-unquote nice dinner, all right? In my mind, I took that as we're going to eat nice food. So I take a shower before dinner and I put on, back on, kind of my pajamas, uh, loungewear. Uh, I put a backwards cap on and I roll out into the living room to find everyone dressed up very nicely in button-up shirts, sweaters, looking fantastic, and me in pajamas. I made a uh, quick excuse to head back to our house about 10 minutes away. Uh, changed and came back. There was a lack of clarity. It wasn't Laura's fault. Uh, I'll take ownership of that. It was my fault for not completely understanding or having a misunderstanding of what this whole nice dinner was about. Why do I say that? Clarity is so important. This is also very important inside of the church. Many of us, we come from different backgrounds, we come with different experiences, and we probably carry a lot of even different thoughts and ideas about the church, about what the church's function is supposed to be, its purpose, what it means and what it looks like to follow Jesus, what discipleship is, what discipleship isn't, what community is, what community isn't. A lot of this based on what we've been taught, what we haven't been taught, what we've observed, what we've experienced or not experienced. Some of this is great, some of this is okay, and some of it's not so great. So as we talk today about this idea of grow or growing together, what do we mean? 
What does this look like within our faith? And specifically, as we look at today in this passage, what does this look like within our local church here at One Fellowship? And why is it so important? What is God actually inviting every single one of us, no matter where you come from, no matter your background, no matter even your stage in your relationship with Christ, whether you're simply seeking and wondering what a relationship with him looks like, what the church looks like, what this is all about, or you've been a Christian for years and years and years. For every man, woman, and child, regardless of age, regardless of background, of experience, how does God want to challenge us to take the next step? Whatever that looks like. To press in more deeply. Let me pray for us one more time over this passage, over this time of looking at God's word, and then we're going to dive into Acts 2 for a few minutes this morning. Jesus, we thank you again for your word. We thank you for what you have done for us and the gifts that you have provided us, one of those gifts being community. Jesus, we pray that your word right now would speak to us through the power of the Holy Spirit, that we would be drawn closer to you wherever we are, wherever, whatever we came in with, that you would do a work on us, that you would remind us of certain things, that you would reinforce certain beliefs, values, that you might deconstruct and even reconstruct some things that might even be a little off for our good, for your glory. Jesus, we pray this in your name. Amen. So we're going to jump into Acts chapter 2 here. You can follow along. Uh, You might have a Bible app. You might have your Bible with you. Um, But we're going to dive into this passage. And here in verse 41 is where we're going to start. It says, So those who received his word were baptized, and they were added that day. They were added that day about 3,000 souls. So just a little recap and background of what's happening here. Peter, through the power of the Holy Spirit and provoking of the Holy Spirit, he preaches this powerful sermon calling people to repent of their sins, to turn from being turned away from God toward God, to being turned toward their sin, away from their sin, and back to God, and to be baptized. And they do. It actually happens. The Holy Spirit works. The Holy Spirit moves. About 3,000 people. That's amazing. So all of a sudden, you have this church. Now what? What does this look like? What does this mean? What should they do? And here's just a brief note on structures. If you look around at churches today, you'll find a million different structures, philosophies of ministry, leadership roles, community formations, etc., And it's so important that in all of that, which may be good and helpful, that we don't lose sight of the essentials. I remember a few years ago, I was running around a lake that we lived by in uh, Seattle, in Seattle, Washington. And this lady stopped me and she was having people fill out this petition and she wanted to save the salmon, right? People in Seattle love salmon. They love fish. If you didn't know that, that's free. And so I talked to her for a couple minutes. She wanted to save the salmon. She explained to me a lot of things about clean water and how we were, you know, destroying waterways. And for whatever reason, before I ran off, I just asked her, I said, who are you with? And she said, my local church. Now, I think God wants us to care about creation. Absolutely. 
But his, is his main desire for the local church to be about saving the salmon? Probably not. That's not one of the essentials. It's so important that we don't get easily lost in simply a cause or in a focus that veers us away from the original intent, the original focus, the original purpose of a local church. That in all of its simplicity, these next verses, they give us such a good picture of the main things and all under the umbrella of what we would call community. Here's the big idea for us today, that the gospel moves us to grow deeper and wider in our relationship with Christ and others together. So first, the gospel moves us to grow deeper. Look at what happens next in these next verses. And they devoted themselves to these people who became followers of Jesus. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship to the breaking of bread and to prayers and all came over and upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. I don't know if you've noticed, but we live in a pretty non-committal society. In a recent study I read in the Huffington Post, more now than at any other time in our history, people are hesitant to marry because of the fear of commitment. People are also more likely to change jobs upwards of 15, 10 to 15 times over the span of a career for fear of staying in one position. And this might sound small, but more gym memberships are started and stopped than at any other time before now for fear of commitment. If you disagree with a friend, maybe you find a new one. If it's a tough day at work, maybe you find another job. Where is society that starts quickly, but we also walk away easily. Whether it's due to fear, a lack of relational values, or a host of other issues, it's clear that this is a, a problem plaguing our society, but it's also an amazing opportunity for the church. Look at what this devoted expression of community looked like in these verses we just read. It says they committed themselves, devoted themselves to the authoritative teaching of the apostles through the Holy Spirit. And now we have a Bible. We have God's word that's living and active. And so what were they doing? They were establishing a gospel foundation. They were going deeper in God's word. They were soaking up what he had to say and how that impacted their day-to-day -day lives, the way that they thought about life, the way that they thought about their purpose, the way that they thought about their neighbors. They were establishing this foundation. It says that they were breaking bread together as both a meal and remembrance. They were known. They knew each other. They knew about each other. They were sharing these times together where they would know one another even more. And it says they were praying, praying for one another, praying for their community. There was support here that they would encourage one another, that they would pray for one another, with one another in the gospel. What does this look like? Here's what it looks like. It looks like discipleship. There can be this false idea that, okay, once I've accepted Jesus as my Savior, that's really it. And then I just go about life, and maybe I come to church on Sunday, and, and, and that's, that's really all that God has for me or He wants for me. And that couldn't be further from the truth. He doesn't want us to simply stay on the surface. That's only the beginning. He wants us to grow deeper, and He wants us to grow wider. So what do we mean here when we're talking about disciple and making disciples and all this? Let me just define this for us, because I think it's important. I would say that a disciple is someone who is becoming more like Jesus in all of life through the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what a disciple is. What does it mean to make disciples? 
Gospel truth transferred through relationships. That's essentially what is happening within the life of this young church, of these new believers. What these people were doing, the same thing that God is calling us into, isn't a one and done thing. It's this regular occurrence and it's incredibly unique and powerful because the church is not like a gym. It's not like a business. It's not like a pub. In the church, all sorts of people with all sorts of different stories come from all different backgrounds and they come together with this shared commonality called Jesus and his gospel. The pub doesn't produce a family. Your work isn't going to produce this type of family. The gym isn't going to produce this type of family. The church is literally the gathering of the family to do life together, a life grounded on the person and work of Jesus by the power of the Holy Spirit. That's what we're doing. That's what we've been called to. And why is the power of the Holy Spirit working and moving inside of this family so critical, so important? Because it changes our hearts and it even produces this unreal selflessness as we began to take on the heart set and mindset of Jesus. Look at one of the effects of these people, of us doing discipleship together. It says in verse 44, All those who believed were together and they had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. It says they had all things in common now, this isn't about liking the same things. It wasn't like, oh, all of them loved to go hiking and all of them loved to go to the outlets and that's what they did on the weekend. They had all things in common. No, no, no. This literally means they had the same heart. That they were bound together by Jesus through the working and moving of the Holy Spirit. That they're literally selling their possessions and created a common pool of resources to make sure that everyone was provided for. Wow. That's one of the effects here of, of, of this group having all things in common around the person of Jesus. You see, in this church, as I think even about one fellowship, some of you have been the recipients of that kind of generosity and love inside of this church. Maybe it's been inside of a life group Maybe you've been the recipient. Maybe people have come around you in one way or another. Maybe they've helped meet some of your needs in real and tangible ways. People have prayed for you in real, meaningful ways, have listened and cared for you with love and kindness. This doesn't just happen. This isn't the norm. This is the result of a deepening relationship with Jesus that roots out this self-centeredness and turns us outward towards our brothers and sisters. And it's such a beautiful thing. And as they're doing this, as they're living this life together, as they're growing deeper together, it says day by day, they were attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, and they received their food with gladness and generous hearts. If you haven't noticed, this passage makes it so abundantly clear that this thing we call the Christian life, that this thing we call discipleship, growing deeper in your faith, it isn't a solo mission. God never intended us to do it alone, to go it alone. We talked about it this morning, the men's hike. Some of you enjoy hiking. I say some of you enjoy hiking. Um, I'm not that good at hiking. I've seen it before. 
I've witnessed it. I've nearly fallen off a mountain before, but that's beside the point. I was looking at this and, and it was interesting. There are certain dangers of going hiking alone, of mountain climbing alone, right? Some of these that stick out, there's an increased risk of injury. There's an increased risk of fatigue. You actually fatigue quicker if you're alone. Increased risk of even brain fog if you're alone. Increased risk of getting lost when you're alone. But look at the amazing benefits when you have a partner. You share the weight of the pack. You have different styles sometimes to come together that you can learn from. There's an opportunity for encouragement and support from the other person, especially when you feel fatigued or you feel like giving up or you feel like walking away. You have someone to help you if you need it or if you get into trouble. This past year solidified for me more than anything else the absolute truth that every single one of us were made for community. Is there an individual component of growing in your faith? Should you study the Bible individually? Should you pray individually? Should you do certain things in your faith individually? Absolutely. But if that's where our growth starts and stops, we're missing out on such a deeper level of discipleship. This is why we have one groups. This is why we have opportunities for men and women and families inside of our church. Why we're going to constantly encourage you to take that next step into community, to press deeper into community, being known, serving together, doing life together. Because what happens there is absolutely amazing and it's absolutely from God and it's a gift to us. It's where we remind one another of the gospel and its truth because we often forget. It's where we encourage one another in the gospel when we think that we're not good enough. God couldn't love me. I messed up too much. No, we come around each other as brothers and sisters. We wrap each other in the truth of the gospel. We warm one another in the truth of the gospel, being reminded of what Jesus did, that it's already finished, that we're good, that we have the opportunity to repent and turn to him, to confess our sins and turn to him, not to run away and isolate like what happened in the garden. We get to remind each other and encourage one another. We get to challenge one another in the gospel to take that next step, to go deeper, to fight that sin. We help keep one another accountable and rooted to grow deeper in the truth of the gospel, deeper in love with Jesus. And there are so many amazing ways that you can do that here. I'm the pastor of discipleship, so if you uh, haven't guessed, I'm excited about this. Discipleship, it's a big thing. It's not some tag on. It's not something to just throw up on a website to say, okay, discipleship, here you go. No, no, no. This should be coursing through the veins, the lifeblood of our church as it draws us closer to Jesus. So let me highlight a few of these, especially if you're new with us. I want you to know what's going on, what opportunities you have. What we even saw this past year during a pandemic in community is nothing less than a miracle of God. That as many were isolated, we still pressed into in safe and encouraging ways the richness of community. And I'm also excited about what we continue to step into and where we're headed. I built this out just so you could see this clearly. Paul talked about it last week. Here's this first graphic that's going to pop up. 
We gather together as a large church. That's what we're doing this morning. I think about it as sort of the family reunion. We come together on the weekend. We come together on Sunday. We go deeper in the word. We pray together. We worship together. That's an amazing component. And then an outpouring of that. And go to this next one. We developed these groups, one groups. We have four different types. We have life groups where you can do life on life together, where you're meeting every week or every other week as, as families and individuals, where you're sharing meals, where you're going deeper in the passages that are preached in some other areas. You're praying together. You're doing life together. When something happens, you're known. You can go to someone in that group. You can develop deeper relationships there. We also have these study groups where you can go deeper in certain areas of your faith, where you're going to be challenged, maybe some of those four to six weeks, maybe some a little bit longer, but you can go deeper, sort of this supplement to your faith that you would be encouraged. We had a study group uh, that the Sorensons and the Amadolias led this past um, summer, a marriage group. And I was talking to Paul, we had 40 people start in that group that wanted to go deeper and see restoration in their marriage, deepening in their marriage, all centered around the gospel. That's amazing. Over Zoom, during a pandemic, we have these amazing opportunities. We also have interest groups, which honestly are a great opportunity to invite those in who may not even be a part of the church yet. I think about what Sean does with bikes and beers and some of the incredible opportunities that have come out of that for people to simply ask questions about faith, meet others inside of the church. We also have um, these mission groups, which are amazing. Yesterday, several of you and many others served at Feed the Need, serving people and neighbors in our greater Charleston area, meeting needs, being the hands and feet of Jesus over Thanksgiving, doing things with feeding of the multitudes. These are amazing opportunities for us to model what it means to receive the grace of God and then to share that grace with others. And these aren't just adults that are doing this. There are kids and students coming around. That's phenomenal. It's amazing. These opportunities to live life, do community together. And also, next, an offshoot of this, we have specific men's and women's opportunities within the church. Some of those are specific men's and women's study groups. I don't know if, if you all know this, but um, there are some study groups, a men's study group and a women's study group that started over at the Reeds not that long ago. And there are currently over 80 people participating in that on a regular basis. 40 men coming together, 40 women coming together and going deeper in areas of discipleship, discipline, God's word. That's amazing. That's to be celebrated as God moves us deeper. And also we have opportunities for men and women. We've got the hike coming up. We do a women's retreat and we're gonna have annual or regular quarterly connection events to meet one another, to get to know one another more, to invite neighbors in. And on top of all of this, we have so many great opportunities for students and children. Make sure to thank Molly and her team for what they do with our kids. It's amazing. Encouraging them to go deeper in their love for Jesus, their understanding of what he's done for them. Make sure to thank Cody for what he's doing and his team are doing in students. If your kids or students are not inside regular community, get them plugged in. This isn't just for adults. This is for all of us. God is encouraging us all to grow together. And this is amazing to celebrate and we want to continue to press into this this year. And so while all of these things are happening inside of the church community, what's amazing is this will also pour over 
outside of the church community. And that's the second component that the gospel moves us to grow wider. This last verse says, Praising God and having favor with all the people, and the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. When it comes to growing wider inside of the church as we help one another become more like Jesus and outside of the church as we reach people with the gospel, I want you to know this. You cannot grow deeper in your relationship with Jesus and not have a heart and desire to grow wider. It's impossible. Because as Jesus has an eye for others, as we go deeper, we'll have an eye for others, for those around us, inside and outside of the church, in our neighborhoods, at our workplace, at our schools, to see people differently. This community focused on Jesus, changed by Jesus, growing deeper in their faith of Jesus, is now living this life of community together. They're devoted, they're generous, they're grateful, they're learning, they're challenging one another, they're breaking bread. And the community around them is not only taking notice, but they're being changed by the gospel themselves and people are joining them. That's the beauty of what the gospel does. It pours outside of the walls and the people of the church and into neighborhoods because God wants to transform communities. And we get to be a part of that. I love this quote from Alexander Strzok. It says, the one thing the church has to offer that no one can compete with is what people want and need the most. Genuine, loving community. It's so true. And we have the opportunity to step in and to fill that gap This community made possible by and through Jesus. I mean, think about this. Jesus was alone in the wilderness and fought off temptation. He was alone when he was arrested after his disciples fled. He was alone on the cross when the father had to turn away from our sin that was laid on his son. He endured these things alone so you and I would not have to go it alone. People who were once separated from God, we are now invited back into community with not only himself, Father, Son, and Spirit, but one another as the family of God. So where do we go from here? Look, some of you in here, maybe you've been burned by community before. Maybe you've been burned by a church before. Maybe you've had just a rough experience. Maybe you've been part of a a group together that didn't go so well. I get it. This is messy, right? We know that. It's not all polished up and pretty all the time. Maybe you're just not, you're not sure it's that important or you haven't been sure about that. If you're outside of community right now, if your family's outside of community right now, what does it look like to take that first step? As I shared, there's so many opportunities. I would love to talk with you more. Paul would love to talk with you more. Cody would love to talk with you more. You can go on our website. You can go to onefellowship.church. Visit our grow page Take that next step, jump into a community, whether that's a study group, whether that's a life group, whether that's serving on a weekend with mission groups, all of these come back to Jesus. Would you take that next step? And if you are inside of community, if you're a part of a group, if you're a part of what's going on in and around One Fellowship, what does it look like this year? And this is something for you to ask God and to examine What does it look like this year to be even more intentional when it comes to growing deeper and wider? Because this isn't a one and done. We're always growing. We're always learning. We're always becoming more like Jesus. So the big idea 
the reality for us as we think about growing as a church, as we enter this year, as we go deeper and wider. The gospel moves us to grow deeper and wider in our relationship with Christ and others together. So let us be a church that desires continually to press deeper than just the surface, to have a heart to go deeper, to have a heart to go wider, to welcome others in, and to walk faithfully in step with what God has called us to, to be disciple-making disciples. I'm excited about this year to grow with you, to grow alongside you, and I'm expectant for what God is going to do as he continues to deepen and widen us as a community of faith here at One Fellowship and throughout our community here in Greater Charleston. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for your truth. Thank you for the reminder of this gift that you've given us called community and of the opportunities that we have to be disciples, growing disciples, who also seek to make disciples. That God, as we think about some of these different opportunities and unique ways, God, as we think about what it means to do life on life together, the ways that that helps us become more like you as we deepen our understanding of your word, as we deeper our belief in the power of your prayer, as we support one another, God, as we even study together, God, as we serve together, maybe that's in a mission group, we're reminded how you served us, how you gave yourself for us. God, even within an interest group, how we're reminded of how you looked beyond and outside and you welcomed the outcast in. God, thank you for the opportunity. Thank you for the opportunity to grow. Thank you that that's made possible, Jesus, by your sacrifice, by your life, through your love. May we be this type of people that we see modeled here. Incredibly generous, incredibly hungry, incredibly devoted, incredibly faithful, not arrogant, humble, and Jesus following your lead. Holy Spirit, would you move powerfully within us, around us, and ahead of us. Jesus, we pray all of this in your name. Amen. Amen.